In episode 16 of the Well-Led Schools podcast, I'm joined by Ayurveda health practitioner Harmony Robertson-Stagg. Join us as we chat about spiritual well-being, Ayurveda, self-awareness, spiritual growth, and practical tips to improve your spiritual health. Stay tuned. Welcome to Well-Led Schools with Adrienne Hornby. On this podcast, we talk about all things staff well-being, school culture, and leadership. Join me for incredible and rich conversations with a range of experts who will give you tips, tricks, and inspiration to best support the well-being of the staff in your school and yourself. I'm your host, Adrienne Hornby, a health and well-being consultant and former school leader. I partner with schools across Australia to tailor and embed staff well-being action plans aimed at addressing staff burnout and building positive working environments. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Well-Led Schools podcast. In this episode, my guests and I will be discussing the third dimension of this multi-episode series on the eight dimensions of well-being spiritual well-being. Today I am thrilled to be joined by Ayurveda health practitioner Harmony Robinson-Stagg. In the context of the well-being dimensions, spiritual well-being refers to our search for purpose and meaning in life. Sure, it can be tied to your faith as well, but it could also include a belief in some kind of higher power, the understanding you have of yourself your goals and values, and the impact that you can make during this lifetime. As you'll learn in this episode, spiritual well-being goes hand in hand with self-awareness. After all, you can't develop a relationship with your higher self unless you've cultivated a degree of self-awareness. The more of it you unlock, the more enlightened, joyful, and free you can feel. The concept of spiritual well-being is also reflected in positive psychology's PERMA model, where the M stands for meaning. In my work with schools, this translates to building a vision for a school culture that encompasses well-being and defines the actions and values that will help us collectively get there as a staff. Meaning is also tied to our work. As educators especially, where many of us get into the profession to hopefully have a profound impact on the young minds of today. If that sense of purpose and meaning is missing for us and for our staff, all we might be left with are the negative feelings we associate with the job, particularly as it becomes more and more stressful. While there's no way to talk about spiritual well-being without inevitably infusing a little bit of woo-woo into the mix, you might be surprised to find how easy and practical it is to create a spiritual practice or routine that can help you improve your spiritual well-being, even without the woo. (laughs) Here you'll feel more connected to all that you do and experience more joy in life and at work. Now on to today's episode. This episode is brought to you by our signature Well-Led Schools Partnerships, 
a 12-month program that brings leaders and staff together to create a shared vision for their school and empowers them to create an action plan that leads to needle-moving changes in school culture and morale. Doors to our partnerships open only once per term. Stay updated on program openings and sign up for the waitlist at adriannehornby.com.au forward slash school hyphen partnerships. Oh, I'm so excited to have a chat today. Thank you so much, Harmony, for joining me and being on the Well-Led Schools podcast. Thank you so much for having me. As I mentioned, I am so excited to talk about this topic. Yes, I think lots of teachers, we were were sort of chatting before we hit record, lots of teachers uh, in this space really, and educators and school leaders, definitely need um, a bit of a refocus on their spiritual well-being, which is, you know, really finding that sense of purpose. We'll be talking all about it soon, you know, with such increasing rates of staff burnout and mental health implications where we're beginning to really lose that sense of purpose and why we got into this in the first place. And with education being such a a purpose-filled profession, it's sad that that's happening. So hopefully uh, our episode today and our chat will really reinvigorate that passion for our listeners. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So before we dive in today, I love to ask this question. Harmony, what's one thing that you like to do to look after and support your own health and or well-being? So in Ayurveda, we have a concept called Dhinacharya, and that just means our daily routine. And it always it sets us up for a successful day. So if you like have ever listen to Oprah or Tony Robbins <laughs> or any of those people, they all have essentially a dinacharya. And my one non-negotiable is movement. I really feel like I have to move my body every day. And as much as I love movement and have to get that energy flowing and get out in nature or whatever that movement might look like for the day, I also always cultivate a time for stillness and that's through breath work or meditation. And that's if it's only like five minutes, Mm. you know, I don't have this big meditation practice every single day, but I will carve out at least five minutes of my day to be in stillness because I am such an active person. Yeah. I can vouch for you moving. We actually, uh, how many and I know each other from a business course that we, that we did a while back, a business program, but I bumped into Harmony when I moved to the Gold Coast in a fitness class. And my sister-in-law who was training in her station said that chick was so fit. I could barely keep up. So it's obviously part, definitely part of your daily practice. It so is. I just love it so much. It's so funny that like we had met on opposite sides of the country. And then, of course, when we can meet again, it's in a fitness class. <laughs> yeah. One week into being here, it was very fortuitous, I found. And, you know, you mentioned there about Oprah and Tony Robbins and their routines. And I've actually walked over hot coal with, with Tony Robbins <laughs> at wow. Unleash the Power Within. And I agree, a lot of his work around routines and schedules and Um, you know, feeling that sense of order in your day, particularly as we, you know, we've now really moved away from our very intuitive states as we've sort of in this modern day world. I think it's really important for us to keep some kind of attention in how we actually manage all of those things that we have to juggle because our brains don't actually know how to do that naturally. Totally, totally. All right. So how many, I'd love for you to tell the audience a little bit about who you are what you do and your journey to where you are today. 
Sure. So I'm an Ayurveda and women's health practitioner and the founder of the Ayurveda Alchemist Academy, where I'm the lead educator. And so our program in the Alchemist Academy um, certifies you to become an Ayurveda holistic health coach. But before all of that, I was actually a clinical nurse and I have been a nurse for well over 17 years, um, still practicing at you know, sometimes <laughs> keeping it current, <laughs> keeping it current, keeping my registration. Um, but it has helped me immensely in the business that I do have now because I can merge the two worlds. I can really merge the Western allopathic medicine at, alongside the natural health, the Ayurveda, the spirituality. And it's just so beautiful to bring those two worlds together and to be able to bridge the gap essentially between Western and Eastern medicines. Hmm. So, through my journey, um, like a lot of other health practitioners and coaches and well-being experts, we struggle with our own things <laughs> going yeah, on. Yes, a lot of we do. Time, <laughs> yeah, and like a lot of time we we find purpose within those struggles. And so for me, I end up with complete burnout because I was nursing, I was teaching yoga and Pilates, I was raising twin boys, I was studying, I was doing all of the things and trying to be that super mom to everyone and everything. And essentially I burnt out. I had hormonal imbalances, gut issues, and a lot of anxiety, to be honest. And when I tried to source um, remedies for those uh, parts of me that were imbalanced. Of course, I went down a more traditional, well, I don't like to use a traditional route because actually allopathic medicine yeah, is not traditional. traditional route, but, Modern. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, went down the allopathic medicine route and it was very, very limited to, to the results I could get. It wasn't long-lasting results. Um, I uh, had also tried other natural therapies, but when I really implemented Ayurveda, I really experienced a profound positive shift in my health and well-being. I also gained a clearer understanding of my purpose and nurturing meaningful connections and gaining a deeper appreciation for who I was. And I realized like health is there's so many aspects of health and well-being. And a lot of us have only been taught to address and cultivate parts of that. Mm. Yeah, it's all about focusing on one solution rather than thinking big picture. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, you know, lots of teachers and, and educators listening will totally resonate. Like, I mean, nurses alongside teachers are the most stressed and, and burnt out professionals in the workforce, um, particularly in Western countries. Um, and, you know, it's it. I, I particularly thought about you guys throughout the pandemic, the same as us, we were just kind of thrown into the deep and you more so than us. Um, so it's so important for us to seek and find those different and very multifaceted ways to be able to look after ourselves because I'm sure many people are listening and realise, yeah, they've been said told go to a counsellor or go and see your doctor. But again, as we'll begin to explore, that's kind of only ever attending to maybe one of those dimensions of your wellbeing rather than that whole big picture, which is all interrelated. Absolutely. Yeah. Now this podcast series that you're a part of is, is it's a multi-week series and it's specifically focused around learning about those multiple dimensions of well-being. So these are those eight different codependent dimensions. So that includes emotional, physical, occupational or career. 
social, spiritual, intellectual, environmental, and financial. Now, while in today's episode, we're mostly focusing on the spiritual well-being dimension, uh, and this is the aspects of our well-being really pertaining to the search for purpose and, and meaning in life. So it's not always linked to a religion, but can be. But this might include belief in a higher power, but of course doesn't have to be aligned with religion per se. But in a nutshell, it's the understanding that you have of yourself, what you were put on this earth to do and what your goals and values are. And of course, then the impact that you can make. Now, Harmony, I know that Ayurveda is highly integrative and it actually focuses on many of the dimensions of our wellness. But before we actually chat more about spiritual well-being, can you explain to the audience what Ayurveda actually is and how it can support our well-being overall? Mm, Sure. So Ayurveda is a holistic health science that looks at all aspects of self. So you mentioned all of them, basically, (laughs) which I really love. So we really focus in on the physical being, the mental being, the emotional being, the spiritual being, and also our dharmic impact. So our, our being aligned to our purpose. Ayurveda itself, the word is a Sanskrit word. And the first part of the word Aya means life. And Veda means science, study, or knowledge of. So it translates to the science of life and longevity. Hmm. And really what Ayurveda is at its core is it's really about cultivating a really deep self-awareness and greater balance, as well as taking in our individual constitutions into account, and these are known as our doshas. Ayurveda really draws its insights from nature, which we are a part of. We're not separate from nature. Biologically, we fit in with nature's circadian rhythms, but over time, modernizing our lives, we have gone against this more and more, which is causing more and more health problems. So even if we look like at women's health specifically, we're very cyclical beings within our monthly cycle, our daily cycle, but we have really pushed things out because we're not aligning those with nature. So a lot of the insights are drawn from nature itself, but it is a true health and healing modality in its own right. And it does have eight branches. And one of those branches, a lot of people don't realize is surgery. So it is very holistic mm-hmm. in the way it looks at health. Yeah. And I like your approach. You know, you talked about it before that science link and that's, you know, that focus on you being a nurse and then bringing in the integrative practice as well. And it's an approach that I like to take uh, with, with my business as well. You know, I I remember setting up my business. I said, listen, I'm not super woo woo, but there's definitely a woo element in there. And maybe it's because when I studied to be a health coach at uh, the the Institute of Integrative Nutrition, it's heavily, they actually talked about Ayurveda a lot. They talked about a lot of different practices from around the world on focusing on well-being, which is why it's integrate, integrated. Um, but Ayurveda actually featured uh, really heavily. And I think it's something that we can really easily resonate with. Again, that doesn't seem super woo-woo and left of field. Um, it's something that begins to make sense the more that we dive into it. Yeah, 100% agree. And because we are part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. the, the science and the study of life, which we are part of. 
Yeah, and it's funny, you know, um, you might like to elaborate a little bit more on the doshas, but, um, you know, when you look at the doshas, which are these different kind of types of of being almost, we're quite happy to engage in personality assessments um, and sort of align ourselves with that. But the second maybe someone mentioned doshas, people are like, what is that? And I'm like, you just did a DISC personality assessment not long ago. Do you know that's probably in many ways assessing you know, part of you as a dosha when it comes to the personality aspects, whereas the doshas I know adds in a lot of the physical elements too. Yeah, absolutely. The doshas are our bioenergies. So like you mentioned, personality that comes into play as well as our physical attributes. So it's taking in the whole self and we do have all three doshas within us and they can become out of balance depending on our environment, the food that we eat, um, our work environment, being stressed out as a teacher. <laughs> um, all of these things can influence this doshic balance. And so when um, one dosha becomes heightened or out of balance, we know that we need to implement some things to create more balance in our life. Yeah, absolutely. And I will in the show notes provide a link to some resources that Harmony provides access to that will give a greater explanation of Ayurveda and I'm assuming doshas too, but I know that would be all over your website and definitely on your podcast too. For those of you who are curious to develop a little bit more self-awareness from uh, more of an Ayurvedic perspective, which I it's really interesting. I encourage everyone to do that. (laughs) So coming back to the topic of today's chat, Harmony, what does spiritual well-being mean to you and as part of the Ayurvedic practice? That's a good question. So to me, spiritual well-being is a state of being in which we feel connected to our inner selves and to others and the world around us in a meaningful and fulfilling way. So it encompasses the sense of purpose, our values, our beliefs, and our understanding of the bigger picture in life. It's also about recognizing that we're not just a physical being, but also spiritual beings, and that our spiritual health is just as important as our physical and mental health. And to be able to cultivate our spiritual well-being, well-being, we can engage in different practices that really nourish our soul and connect us to our higher selves, because our higher selves is another way of saying like our spiritual self, really. Mm-hmm. And when we can prioritize our spiritual self, we're able to find greater meaning and purpose in our lives. We're able to connect with something greater than the way we may perceive ourselves in this human form. And we can now tap into a sense of inner peace and contentment that transcends our daily struggles and challenges. Mm, That's a good one. So connected to those feelings of purpose, values, belief, and then and that bigger picture and it's it's really interesting actually because from a positive psychology standpoint in the very beginning of you know any of their coaching programs which I've been trained in as well it's actually around identifying our values and our beliefs because those are the things that then help to drive the decisions that we make later on or give us an understanding of ourselves and I know too that when working with schools as a whole we really focus on um, 
you know, planning out, identifying our vision. And part of that is our values. Um, And then from here, how we use that to move forward in alignment with with one another. And um, another thing this makes me think about is that a lot of us, when we got into teaching, I could, I could say could probably answer a lot of those questions like why we're getting into it you know what we value in education the most and what we really believe but I think amongst all of the noise and and you know you've you you definitely would feel this in the healthcare space too we've gone fully operational and moved away from you know why we got into the help, you know help provision why we got into you know the services that we do in the first place and therefore it seems like the monotony sort of really grabs hold of us so this kind of work and these kind of reflective practices and even coaching in this area i think is is one step that i would encourage that educational professionals do before they consider leaving because, you know, leaving is the end resort here. Um, it's This would be the kind of work that you could do beforehand to see if this can be the thing that stokes the fire and, and reignites your passion again for your profession. Mm, absolutely. And I do um, share with my students and clients, building a relationship with your why is so important. Mm. That's what will get you through the harder times, the obstacles, and really understanding that. So I yeah, 100% agree with everything that you've said. It's We can get really lost in the work and the policies and the systems. And Oh, yes. Lost. <laughs> it, it then consumes us and takes, strips all of that innate purpose away from us because our energy is being channeled into other parts of our job that we haven't felt connected to. Yeah, and when I talk with schools and staff about the the factors that can influence their well-being, you know, we start right down at the microsystem, which is us, like our sense of self, who we are, our health, and then next we step out into the meso system, so our relationships and connections with others that can influence us too, and then we start to step out into those organisational aspects, then the department level, and then things that are, are beyond our control. And what you said then clicked with me because it's so true. We focus on all of those external things that are so far out of our control and not enough on us and our sense of self, which we have so much control over. And we have so much autonomy if we focus our energy there and really laser focus in. And because that has the greatest influence on our well-being, um, and we have the most control, we don't realize how much um, positive effects we can actually have by just turning inwards. Absolutely, because when you're aligned to your true self, that essence and your purpose and you're, you're on your dharmic path, that has an immense ripple effect with your mm-hmm. community. Whereas if you're channeling all your energy into the other aspects of your job that aren't lighting you up, you know, you've only got so much energy to give, whether that's to your students, to your job. And if all of that energy is going out to things that don't light you up, it's going to strip away from where you could be really purposeful and make the biggest impact. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. 
Um, what are some common signs that you might see in clients or individuals which might indicate to you that their spiritual well-being or their dharma <laughs> requires attention, support, or care? So you started to sort of talk about it then, but have you know, I'm sure you've had lots of people come in and it's something that you <laughs> flag straight away. So what are some of those signs? Absolutely. So there's so many, so many different signs depending on the individual, but some of the really common signs would be just lack of motivation and drive where perhaps they had once been really invigorated by what, with what they do. Uh, lack of insight is a really big one mm. so, because we know the spiritual self is this deep innate self. So if there's lack of insight into who we really are and what we value, our ethics, all of those aspects, um, then that's a sign that our spiritual health really does need some attention. And again, going um, hand in hand is that lack of self-awareness. And I'm sure that you can always picture someone in your mind that you've had a little thought to yourself, "Mm, they lack a lot of awareness, right? (laughs) Um, That's just them not being really connected um, to their spiritual self. Also lack of passion and a desire to serve because when you specifically speaking to educators, you've gone into this field to, to be of service. It's such an important role. Like you are setting up people for their future. And when you're really passionate about that and you go in with that beautiful desire to serve and you're aligned with that energy and that purpose, you are going to create such a big impact in the world, like the whole world. It is such a ripple effect what teachers do. But when you're lacking that passion and desire to serve, you don't want to do that anymore, then part of your spirit, part of your essence has, has been shut down. And that's a, that's a cry from your spirit to, to really look at that lack of empathy, lack of joy. If you can't find joy in any part of your life, then your spiritual self needs a lot of work because your spirit is joy. That is your base feeling. It is joy, right? And so sometimes I felt that. I felt that disconnect, that lack of passion, that lack of motivation. And I have said to my kids numerous times, right, let's go. We're going on some water slides. Go to Wet Mud because I get so much joy out of that. So I'm not saying that you have to cultivate that joy within your work if at that point in time that's not where you're getting it from. But find something that does spark joy because that brings you back in alignment with the energy you need to be in to really connect to that higher self, that spiritual self. And the other one I would say is lack of contentment. And the Sanskrit word is santosha. So lack of contentment or santosha just in your life in general. If you're feeling irritated, um, if you're feeling a lack of clarity, you don't have that contentment with who you are, where you're at, because spirit is content. Mm. I love all of those points that you mentioned around those symptoms because there might be people listening who are like, yes, that's me. You know, I I, I purposely uh, programmed these episodes to come out during the break for teachers so that they have time to refocus on themselves. So you might be sitting here thinking, yes, this is me. I need to reconnect with it. But it also gives us a lot of information about some of the staff that we work alongside that we might find more frustrating. (laughs) And so I'm thinking, you know, those staff or teachers that we work alongside who we get so frustrated because they seem to have that lack of self-awareness 
and perspective for how other people are feeling, putting themselves in the in the shoes of students or family. You know, they might just seem outwardly really judgmental and quite rigid. And then that lack of empathy is a big one. Like I think as we get worn out and, as you said, disconnected from our purpose, we become less empathetic. And empathy is so important when you work with children and young people because their brains have not yet developed. Ours have and we need to tend to them, but we're helping to grow and develop their brains um, in a way where they use their whole brain, of course. Um, But, you know, that joy that you mentioned made me think, because I read through a lot of staff surveys and I, I see a lot of the comments and they'll say, talk about how there's this growing body of staff who are more negative. And as you were mentioning those symptoms, I thought, you know, is this a purpose or a spiritual well-being fueled problem? Of course, there are multiple other things that influence negativity in a school, but this is this is but one of those factors. And if you're thinking in your team, oh my gosh, you know, Susie, sorry, all the Susie's listening. Susie's getting super, is super negative about everything and seems to drag everybody down. Like it, it could be that disconnection with, yeah, with their purpose and, and with the, the knowledge of the impact that they have. But the perspective is such a big one, Harmony you were talking about there, they used to call me the perspective police at school. So um, in our leadership meetings when, you know, we might be unpacking or reflecting on what was happening across the school or what staff were saying in meetings and then how we could fix that, you know, someone said, oh, well, down in kindergarten they're saying this. And I'd be like, maybe it's because they're they're thinking this or they're feeling this way, like, oh, here she is, perspective police are back again. But I think it's important for us to you know, if you're somebody who feels like you you connect with all of these things and these aren't symptoms for you, you're the biggest advocate for those who might have disconnected from their sense of purpose or spiritual well-being and you can be the light for them and you can be that guide. Absolutely. And I love so much how you're really, as a perspective police, <laughs> actually opening up the conversation and actually cultivating a really supportive environment for teachers to grow in and to be heard in. Mm-hmm. So I think that is so important. You being a perspective police is a really positive thing. Mm-hmm. And I think an element, as you were talking, I'd never realised this until now, I think a good sense of spiritual well-being is being able to be a critical thinker and that isn't too rigid in our thinking. It's being able to see the polarity of multiple opinions and experiences and be able to make space for all of that and then find where you sit inside all of that. And it's not right and it's not wrong and it's not your way or the highway, but it's a sense of contentment and knowing and understanding. And that that comes with knowing your values and your beliefs, as you said before, and being confident in that. And, you know, perhaps even a sign that um, that's out of alignment might be that maybe you're a little bit more argumentative or a bit rigid in those conversations too. (laughs) Getting, getting triggered all the time, definitely. Yeah, I've been there. I'm not saying I'm perfect. Sometimes I can be that way on certain issues too, but con- it's constant reflection, isn't it? Exactly. And everything we absorb through our senses leaves a subtle impression on our mind. And the way that we interpret that is so different. So our truth is not the person sitting next to us' truth. 
and they might both be the truth of the situation. Mm-hmm. So having that wider perspective of things, being able to listen, being able to understand. We talk about good communication skills, but communicating isn't just speaking. It's really listening and absorbing the information and trying to be empathetic and understand where they're coming from. Oh, I agree with you. A lot of the time when I look through surveys, staff will say that communication is a problem in their school. And I've talked about this on a couple of other episodes, but leaders will be quick to say, but we do communicate. We send out emails, we do things. I'm like, hang on, communication is also consultation opportunities to provide feedback, but also listening, taking that in and then closing off the feedback loop at the end. Um, Yeah, it's really hard. Uh, People think that they're a good communicator verbally, like they can get it out. But part of good communication, you're right, is being able to listen and discern that information, not take it too personally, you know, be quite rational and realistic with it and take the emotion out of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, how do you support your clients in clinic and as well as through your coaching programs and working with with all of these health coaches? So I started my journey as a, as a health coach right back in the beginning. It would have been amazing had this been around then. <laughs> but how do you support your clients to build their spiritual well-being, find their purpose and make an impact? So I um, have created the higher self method, which ultimately the the three pillars in combination when you do these, it's helping you step into your higher self in all areas of your life. So whether that be your business, your relationships, your health, it's like being able to really step into your higher self so that you can really live that the life that you were meant for. And the first pillar is health of self. And as I explained earlier, Health is not just the absence of disease or our physical being. It really is integrating the the health of our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and even energetic alignment to our purpose. So looking at and auditing our health of our complete self and then aligning that according to individual needs. My second pillar is empowering belief shifts through Ayurvedic psychology. So we can't change and we can't heal from a disempowered state. And it's really important to be able to understand the thoughts that we think, where they come from, also what triggers those thoughts and why those triggers are apparent. When we can really understand that, we can shift our beliefs into more empowering beliefs that allows us to step into our higher self in all areas of our life. And then the third pillar is dharmic impact through purpose-driven changes. Now, if that's if this pillar, if that's with my um, health clients, it's really looking at the most purpose-driven changes we can do to give us the biggest impact with our health or our life. And with the Ayurveda Alchemist students, so the ones becoming certified, this also encompasses their purpose, their career goals, their aspirations, and cultivating and creating their own method or framework that is going to speak directly to their audience, the people that they can serve and help, so they can create greater impact in the lives of others whilst fulfilling their own purpose and dharma. But we also teach how we can align and connect to that. 
because that is the biggest thing. Aligning and connecting our energy to our purpose in Dharma is so important. We might we may think that we we know our purpose is, you know, to become a health coach or to become an educator or a teacher. But energetically, how are we showing up for that? Who are we in that role? And how are we aligning that so that it's not just a role, but it is all part of us? Mm, yeah, I, I noticed with, you know, part of those three pillars, the first two are really heavily focused on self-awareness. Um, and that, you know, I was even reading a book recently about leaders and it's called Vertical Growth. And it talks about how you can go and research any number of leadership strategies, but if you don't have the self-awareness to go alongside of those skills and strategies, you're not actually going to get anywhere because you can't identify who you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, um, you know, what it is that you want, um, you know, what you want to get out of your career or or your workplace, whatever it might be. It's it's all means nothing without that. And so um, I, I love that whole concept of you know, that working out first your individual needs, which sounds very diagnostic, then going on that self-awareness journey and then finally finding the why. And for those listening, you know, that might be finding the why of why you got into the profession that you did. But I know because I used to have to do the kind of work that you're doing with my health coaching, it was like, well, why do you want to get healthy you know, what? what is all of this for? Because that was ultimately the thing that changed um, things for them. And that was often, you know, to be able to run around with my kids and to be a good role model and, you know, to not have to, you know, my why with my health is that I want to live a really long, healthy life. I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I don't want to be in a hospital. I don't want to be in a hospice. So that's the why that drives me to be super healthy. So I love that whole idea that you, you know, you tweak those the levels along the way so it's highly personalized mm, absolutely and I think a big part of it is really encouraging that self-reflection along the journey along the spiritual growth pathway and as you alluded to like you can take in all of the information in the world but unless that information is implemented growth doesn't happen mm. so when information is implemented that's where the wisdom part comes in. Wisdom isn't just reading information. So I think that's really important to, to be able to discern between the two and then also as part of that encourage a lot of self-reflection. Mm, yeah, the other day I actually felt really flat and I said to my husband like, oh, I don't feel good. And he's like, what is it? And I was like, I feel really bored and unfulfilled. And he was like, that's really odd because you're doing some of the most purposeful work ever. <laughs> What's going on? And I said, I've stopped doing all of the things that connected me to me. Like I've stopped the journaling. I've stopped the walking and, and the me time. Um, I haven't been doing any learning, not just about like professional learning around well-being and culture, but learning about myself and some of the learning about myself work that I've been doing, if you want to go really woo-woo, is some human design stuff. Um, and I said to him, he's like, okay, well, what do you need to do? Do you need to go away for, like to a spa for the weekend? Do you need to, you know, um, get a hotel room? And I said, no, I just need to go back to those basics of connecting with myself and doing the things that I love and talking to me again 
And so he's like, okay, have the rest of the day. So you should have seen me. I had like, you know, I was reading books on, you know, healthy foods for pregnancy. And then I was doing my course and then I was journaling and mapping out my week and getting everything organized. And by the end of the day, I was just like a new woman. That's all it takes. Once you know, and you have those skills and you've connected with them before and you've seen what a drastic difference they make. Not only do they run on autopilot for you a lot of the time, but when they slip off autopilot and you recognize it, it's not very long to reorientate to feeling better again. And that is what deep inner work on yourself can do. Um, it, It brings your baseline back to something that's like not right down in the negative where you're feeling really awful. It's just feeling meh but then being able to pick yourself up really quickly again. Well, that's that shows a lot of insight for you to be able to pick all of that up within yourself because you are so busy. You are doing a lot of purposeful work. So to be able to say that and then quickly shift into tools and activities that are bringing yourself back to self, the higher self, is amazing. So well done with that. <laughs> well, as you can probably agree with Harmony, once you've experienced what it's like, to be really attuned with your higher self, even if it's for a very short time, you want it back again. And I think it's really people might not feel that level of optimism if they haven't yet experienced it or gone on a personal development journey before. Um, There's no hope, right, because you don't think that that's actually in reach, but it is so achievable. But I, I must say it's it's generally best achieved when it's supported by the help of a coach um, or you're working with a specified practitioner. There's so much you can do on your own. I think, you know, you can read and dive into books and listen to podcasts. Um, But I think the icing on the cake is having somebody really experienced and motivational and, um, you know, and skilled to be able to, to push you along. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, the beauty of a coach or practitioner is that they can ask you questions that you wouldn't be asking yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, that sort of leads beautifully into my question. Um, And this one's really for our leaders and mentors who are listening, particularly, of course, those in the education space. What are some easy to action, uh, well, what is some easy to action advice or guidance that we could offer to our staff or even a colleague who might have expressed concerns or who seems to be showing symptoms about their spiritual well-being, you know, even like a lack of purpose or feeling disconnected from the impact that they're making at school and, and, and in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So I think when it comes to like educational industry, um, corporate industry, anything like that, We really need to foster a culture of openness and support to start with. Mm -hmm. So if someone is feeling disengaged or disconnected from their spiritual well-being, but if they don't feel that they can really open up and be supported in that space, you know, they're never going to really grow through it because they feel like they have to hide what they're feeling, who they are, And, yeah, we need to step up and be professional in the classroom, especially around the children. But if they have someone like a support mentor or a well-being um, practitioner that they can speak to that is aligned and affiliated with the school program, then they're going to feel so much more supported and be able to be guided through those symptoms of feeling that disconnect and that lack. 
So creating a safe and supportive environment where staff members feel comfortable sharing their concerns and seeking guidance and support would probably be the number one. Again, engaging with open communication, active listening is huge, (laughs) and empathy. And then encouraging that staff member to go home or wherever they feel comfortable and take a lot of time for self-reflection, encourage them to take some time to reflect on their values, their why, like why they got into the profession and ask themselves those harder questions like what do you really want? Mm -hmm. Sometimes when you don't have clarity, you're like, well, what do you really want? Mm-hmm. Also reflecting on their beliefs, their belief systems and their aspirations. Sometimes if you don't have future aspirations or goals, you just feel a little bit, you know, man, you're just like Groundhog Day doing the same thing. So there might be a passion project within the system, the, the education system, their school system that aligns with their purpose that would bring that passion and purpose back into their everyday job as well. Um, I know for me, when I was working in the emergency department as a nurse, we all had um, our different sort of profiles and mine was advanced life support, teaching advanced life support. And I love that. So if within the the schooling system, if there's a passion project they can align with, it can just bring a little bit more joy to the day or just purpose to to that day. And I also, yeah, really think that activities such as journaling, because it gets it out of our head and onto paper and we can just let it flow. Um, free med- therapy. <laughs> yeah, free therapy, exactly. <laughs> Meditation and more of those somatic um, practices such as breath work really allows us to get into our body and promote more self-awareness and inner reflection. So it really comes down to being able to ask ourselves those questions, but also at the same time having a really supportive culture and environment and safety to be able to do that whilst bringing part of our passion forward. Mm. Harmony, I think you've been living in my brain for a point because what you just talked about um, aligns so perfectly with what I what I teach in schools, particularly with leaders. You know, the, the question is always how do we support staff mental health and prevent burnout? And I always say, well, first things first, you need to create the conditions for good well-being. And that is those cultural examples that you were talking about before, you know, normalizing discussions about mental health, normalizing support options, you know, not destigmatizing all of those things, talking about our stresses, talking about what it is that we need. You know, we talked about consultation before. Like, first of all, that's just deeply ingrained in what we do here in our setting. And then I always talk next about From here, then we have to focus on building relationships with our people. And you were talking there about empathy and listening um, and those connections and that sense of belonging. And that starts with us as leaders. Like, you know, if you want to be able to support your staff in the best way possible, you need to have built a relationship and a connection with them. It doesn't have to be, you know, you don't have to be best friends, but I think being seen as somebody who can and will support them professionally and to some extent personally, of course, we don't have to be counsellors or psychologists, um, but being able to listen and have perspective and use our self-awareness to have an awareness of them and put ourselves in their in in their shoes is really important. And so I say to schools like 
if you're doing anything, please focus on the conditions and then relationships. And then from here, it's those we can move into support options. Too often, and you might see this in nursing too, they stand up in a meeting and say, access the Beyond Blue website. You can go to the EAP. And that's really nice. And thank goodness you're saying that. But if there aren't the conditions that actually emulate that they care about well-being and the relationships with the people who are saying that, it seems really disingenuous. <laughs> and um uh, you know, it, that's why they sort of sit at the foundations. And you were so beautifully sort of talking about support options, which I think extend beyond tick and flick things like access this website or go here. You really talked about ways again to connect with themselves. So go home and reflect, slow down, um, you know, talk about your problems. And, and part of that too might be pro- providing them with phone numbers or organizations they can call or encouragement to seek external support, particularly if things are, um, are really challenging. So I'm thinking that's from a mental health perspective. But what I loved, which is the main crux of the examples that you were talking about there, were leadership-led engagement practices, which was like identifying who they are as a professional. And, and, and this is a big thing that actually came out from COVID and the research was that many teachers, and I'm sure in many professions this has been the case, have lost their sense of identity because they went from knowing how to teach in a classroom to, for example, having to go to online learning and they all of a sudden, we all sucked at that. Like that was stupid. <laughs> and so we, our confidence like took a hit. And so then all of a sudden we're like, am I good at this anymore? Like my kids didn't do any of the online learning or they were really bad at it or they didn't appear to retain anything. Should I even be doing this? And so a big emphasis in the research is around helping our staff to discover if they're only new in their career or rediscover their identity. And that is, why did you get into this in the first place? But who are you as an educator? And then who do you want to be? And then when you find that gap, it's, well, how can I support you to go from A to B? What opportunities can I provide for you? Um, Who can I send into your room? Who can I buddy you up with? And then as part of that, it's, well, what do you love to do? And you might have, well, I love art. Well, okay, maybe we need to get you doing some art projects with kids or running the art club so that they find that drive again. So while it's, yes, we can encourage our um our staff to go and think about that. I think closing off the loop is making that part of our process in schools is to support our teachers to find that and then use that information to build a really positive culture. Absolutely. And I I think there can be often be a lot of pressure on having to feel like your career is your purpose and you've got to like do so much to to really be involved in the purpose and following your dharma but when you can just sit with yourself and ask you those questions yourself those questions it does help unravel who you really are and it gives you the courage to to ask what you want as well and in what capacity did you come here to serve and I think it's really nice to understand where the word dharma comes from, it's a Sanskrit word and we throw it around in the West as if it translates exactly to purpose. And 
whilst it has the same connotations, Dharma actually is the eternal and inherent nature of reality. It's a cosmic law underlining right behavior and social order. So it is being in alignment with whatever you are doing in that moment. So it takes away the um, the pressure that we have to have this bigger, higher purpose. If you are showing up and where what you were saying, getting to really know yourself, but if you can show up with the right intentions, with integrity, in an alignment with what you're doing in that moment, whatever that is, whether it's teaching the children the two times table or whether it's in the staff meeting, that is dharma, that is purpose. It's just showing up with integrity and being in alignment with your energy in whatever you're doing. So if you are a teacher but you're also a mother, part of your dharma is raising children, as being a mother as well as a teacher. And sometimes it's nice just to take that pressure of ourselves that we have to be perfect in our career mm. or because that is our purpose. Yeah, I love that because for some people it might be a dimension of their well-being uh, that isn't career that they're looking to attend to, like their connection with their partner or with their families or with their friends um, or, you know, whether it's financial or social. Uh, and I think that that's a really important takeaway is that, um, you know, if you've done a bit of a pulse check on those multiple dimensions of your well-being and you've recognised it's not really career that you care so much about right now, there's a, there are other priority areas, then you focusing on your dharma in in that dimension of your well-being is going to be the thing that will make a bigger difference than on your career. And that's okay to say, I'm just going to push pause on that because I think if I can feel more connected at home, it's going to then influence the other dimensions. And I talk about that um, back in the episode where we do a pulse check on the eight dimensions of well-being is that they're all interrelated. So one influences the other. So if you actually end up tending to your social well-being, it could actually just naturally bolster your career well-being. Exactly, because it's all aligning with that energy of joy. Yeah, such it's such an important reminder and it's actually probably, you know, when I ask that question about what leaders can do, it's probably first supporting your staff to recognise what area of their well-being they think requires the most attention and means the most to them. Mm-hmm. And then knowing that as a leader is really important. Like their priority isn't here at the moment. Their priority is surviving home. Um, and and that, of course, gives us a greater sense of perspective and awareness uh, and empathy for what they're going through. And we don't have to be judgmental about that. Not everybody cares about their career as much as we might or the next person does. Um, so that helps to, to, to build such a deep sense of, of knowledge of others. That was a really good point. Thanks for that, Harmony. <laughs> All right, so we see a number of quotes circulating on social media showcasing something really thought-provoking or inspiring from thought leaders across the the globe and throughout time. If a quote was circulating from you, Harmony, on the topic of health, well-being or leadership, what would it say? (laughs) (laughs) No, I have a quote that I posted the other day, actually. Um, I was going for a run because I love my movement in the morning. (laughs) Things just come into my head when I'm running and I feel that this quote is aligned with your audience and what I wrote was the gift of wisdom keeps giving beyond the moment of receiving. And that is because 
when, because wisdom helps us to implement self-awareness and self-empowerment. And when we become self-aware and self-empower, this leads us to unlocking our infinite potential. So as an educator for your listeners, you have this innate, beautiful, true gift of wisdom that you can share, which helps others unlock their infinite potential and will go beyond the moment of you sharing that wisdom. Yeah, I love that. That concept of wisdom is so important. I I remember as I reflected coming into this year, how I can make a bigger impact in my business. It was, well, how do you actually get schools to transform their culture? And the answer I realized lied in supporting them to become more wise and develop wisdom and become the sage. Like that's the ultimate end goal, right? So it's how we move from just knowing the things to knowing and using and inspiring and changing and transforming. Mm, beautiful, beautifully said. Now, this podcast is aptly titled Well-Led Schools, which is a play on words to reflect those schools who lead with well-being in mind. What is one thing you think schools or leaders can do to prioritise staff well-being that would make the biggest difference? So I think a leader, a leader should always be approachable and it goes to what we're saying about setting that culture for support. I think as a whole, what schools should do, in my opinion, (laughs) um, I think every school for every class of every age, and I know they're doing more and more of this, but I really honestly feel that breathwork and meditation classes should be mandatory for teachers and for all of the children. And I know my boys, they are, they're 10 turning 11 in July and they are doing meditation. They're not doing it every day, but they will do it sometimes at school. And I just think it is such an important skill to learn and it gives gives their, their little brains a little mm. rest, even if their brains are a little are busy while they're sitting there. But it it just, you know, it just teaches them so much that we don't learn. And breath work is another another beautiful practice that really allows us to feel and get into our body and understand that deep core essence of who we are. Breathwork brings in that life force energy prana. So if you want to wake up your class, then doing some beautiful breathwork is going to energize them because our breath carries prana, life force, oxygen goes on to feed all of our cells in our body. And that is so important. Um, I also feel that schools could really prioritise self-development because when we nurture our spiritual selves and align to our dharma, we awaken the beauty and magic of life. We begin to see the interconnectedness of all things and recognise the infinite possibilities that exist within us and around us. We also discover a deeper sense of purpose and fulfilment that brings us closer to our truer self. And if we can cultivate all of that and show up to our work as educators in the school. Can you imagine how the children are going to absorb all of the wisdom you have to offer? Can you imagine what a positive ripple effect that's going to have on other teachers, on children, on leaders, if you can really embody all of that? 
What a perfect way to close out that episode, Harmony. It's so true. And it's where the M from the PERMA model with positive psychology meaning comes in. That is such an essential pillar for our overall psychological safety. If we don't have a sense of meaning and purpose, all of the other areas, you know, they they aren't strengthened. So such a beautiful way to end that episode. Thank you so much, Harmony. You've been absolutely amazing. Where can our audience find and connect with you if they're interested in learning more about working with you and engaging with your incredible resources? Yeah, so I actually offer a free Foundations of Ayurveda course and you can find that on my website, harmonyinspiredhealth.com.au, as well as when you're on my website, you can connect with me on there. You can book in for anything you like to book in of the services I offer. Um, I also have a really active Facebook group, which is the Ayurveda and Women's Health Sisterhood. Um, So sorry, it is for women or people that identify as women, but I do live stream my podcasts in there. Um, I do a lot of live trainings on these type of topics. And my podcast is Harmony Inspired Health. And Instagram, you can always reach out to me, Harmony Inspired Ayurveda. Love to chat in the DMs as well. Your mum must have known your dharma when you were born to give you that name with you going into this. <laughs> yeah, I feel so. And you know what? Growing up, I hated my name because it was like, <laughs> it's perfect now. <laughs> oh, harmony and melody and peace and all of this. And, you know, you don't want to stand out when you're a child. Well, not all try, not all yeah. try to say that. It's a very blanket statement, but you want to, <laughs> you want to feel like you fit in. Um, so I didn't love my name, but then now it's my business name, Harmony Inspired Health, and yeah, I love it's it. Perfect. It's perfect for you and and the energy that you put out. I think it's great. <laughs> Thank you again so much for joining me. I'll provide a link to, to all of those things in the show notes again. Um, it's been absolutely wonderful having you on and, you know, you've just sparked so many things, the, the connections to workplace wellbeing based off what you were talking about today was incredible. And, you know, we didn't go too woo-woo, love it. <laughs> it's all about bridging the gap between science, evidence-based mes- medicine and the woo-woo spirituality. That's right. Redefining traditional medicine too, right? <laughs> Thanks so much um, again, and we'll be talking soon. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My team has put together the show notes, which can be found wherever you're listening to this podcast, with easy access to the links or anything that we've mentioned today on the show. If you're keen to get on top of your overall well-being, including with a touch of your spiritual well-being, I recently launched a self-paced online course called A Roadmap to Better Wellbeing, which takes participants on a journey of understanding stress from a multi-dimensional perspective and will guide them through creating their own pathway to well-being. Throughout the modules, you'll find videos, short activities and resources with simple, easy-to-implement strategies that you can incorporate into your personal and professional life, as well as ideas to share and practice with your students. Learn more and register at adrianhornby.com.au forward slash wellbeing hyphen course, or check out those show notes for quick access today. Thanks so much for listening to Well-Led Schools. I look forward to connecting with you at adrianhornby.com.au. Here you can get in contact with me, learn more about my approach and join my mailing list. I'm Adrienne Hornby 
Thanks again for your time and stay well.